I will never forget early on in my career meeting a student who used an AAC device that was a static device. And I felt extremely overwhelmed and how to help support this student because honestly, I was intimidated. I was very intimidated by this dynamic AAC device. It took me a while to get on in there and to see what was in that device so that I could help support my student. But I was feeling overwhelmed and I was feeling intimidated and unsure. So if you've ever felt that way when supporting students who are using AAC, this is the show for you. Welcome to episode 113 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. This is a solo show, just me and you hanging out, chatting all about AAC. I'm going to share with you today my top five strategies that you can use when you are supporting your autistic learners who are using AAC devices. And you don't want to miss because number one is something that's very, very vital that you probably do not know about. If you are new here, make sure that you subscribe to the Autism Outreach Podcast and leave a review. If you find the podcast helpful, I would love to hear from you. We have people from over 150 countries listening. Wow, I'm pinching myself over that. But when you leave a review, it is good feedback for me and it allows other people to know about autism and communication. Help me reach my goal of making sure that all autistic learners have a voice. Without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Welcome to episode 113 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I am very excited to be spending some time, you know, just me and you today. We're going to be talking about supporting autistic students who use AAC devices. I like to ask you what you want to learn more about. And I do that through my email list and, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all those things. And AAC is something that comes up over and over again. Again. And so today I want to share with you my top five strategies when you're supporting students and really any student. Obviously, here on the Autism Outreach Podcast, 95% of our podcast episodes are with autistic learners in mind. But a lot of the times when you're listening, especially if you are serving students who have other disabilities or support needs, this information will also be extremely, extremely helpful. So I have been practicing about 21 years now. Whoa, that seems like a long time. And I remember first working with students who used AAC devices. And let me tell you, AAC has changed a lot since I started some 21 years ago. It was very, very different. And actually, now this is going to date me. So if you're a CFY or a student, just you know, brace yourself. I was practicing before iPads were used as AAC 
devices. So this is really dating me. So most students had dedicated devices, whether they were from Pranky Romic or Dynavox. Those are some of the companies that have been around for a very long time. We didn't have iPads. So how we programmed and customer service support, it was actually very, very different. I remember going to an AAC conference. There's a really, really big one down in Florida every fall. I think it's called ATIA, I believe. I went one time and it was just fascinating. And that's when iPads were first starting to come out. And what's amazing about that is that it has made AAC, I think, more readily available. It has also caused some things to arise that maybe we didn't deal with before. So sometimes students are having a hard time understanding that their AAC device is their way to communicate because that same AAC device may be used as a time to get on YouTube or a time to play a game. And so we have had to troubleshoot some of those situations. And you may be thinking of a student right now like, yes, Rose, uh-huh, I hear you. I actually did have a student who... I can't remember the funding source because funding is always something we need to be cognizant of. But the student had very unsafe problem behavior. I was seeing the student in a specialized program and he had a beautiful AAC device set up by his district and he was not utilizing it. But with collaboration with the team, he started to use his device and it was just a miraculous absolutely miraculous story where he was able to use his device, use it in the community. It was so cool. Really opened up his world and his parents and family. He had a sibling too. And so he had one iPad that was dedicated for his AAC device. And that was the only thing that was on that AAC device. And then he had another iPad that was used for break time, when he was doing some type of work that he needed a different type of program. And so I know that's a barrier because it's a monetary thing. It's a financial thing. But something to think about because oftentimes that can be hard for learners where they think, okay, this is this is the thing that I used to watch my favorite YouTube kids video. This is the thing that I used to watch my slime videos or my unwrapping the toy videos. And now you want me to go to Proloquo and tell you a sentence. So that can be extremely jarring for children. So something to think about. It may not be feasible to have two iPads, but just thinking that through because that can be really confusing for students. So I'm excited to spend this time with you for the solo show. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a new episode that airs every single Tuesday, and I do not want you to miss a thing. So let's get right into the five strategies. Strategy number one is the awareness of a document called the Communication Bill of Rights. Wow. This is an amazing document. We're going to put a link in the show notes for you to utilize this. And this was created by the National Joint Committee for the Communication Needs of Persons with Severe disabilities. And so this is something that I've talked about a couple times on the podcast here. There are 15 different points. I'm not going to go in them today, but why I think this is so very important, and I've had some parents on the podcast and other speech therapists that were not aware of this, 
is they have printed this out. You could pass it out at an IEP meeting. You could have it posted in your desk, in your office area. You could share it with the teachers and parapros or RBTs in your life. You could share it with a BCBA, SLP, vice versa. It's very, very empowering. And basically, we know this, and this is what we model, and you care about your students because you're listening to a podcast all about autism and communication. But There may be other people in our students' orbit or students' environment who may need reminders about how very, very important AAC is. And so it basically says all people with a disability of any extent or severity have a basic right through communication and a right to communicate. So I'm going to just highlight some of these. There are 15, and I'm just going to share about three or four. So one is the right to interact socially, maintain social closeness, and build relationships. Very, very important. I also think this would be a nice thing to print off and just have available so people on your team know about it. But if you ever get into a situation where a student doesn't have their device out, or maybe they are pressing buttons on their device and it's hard for classroom staff to hear the same word over and over again, or they're being silly with a friend, We all know people may say, you know, that's not what the AAC device is for. They can't have it right now because they're being silly. But we really need to advocate for our kids. And so this communication bill of rights would be something nice to share antecedently just at the beginning of the year at an IEP meeting so that these situations don't arise. Because we really, no matter who you are, BCBA, SLP, parent, we are our own, our client's best advocate. And so for us to know about this and for us to share this is really, really powerful. So number one, the right to interact socially, maintain social closeness and build relationships. So very important. Number two, the right to request desired objects, actions, events, and people. So important. And the one that comes to mind with this is, well, you know, we can't have this button. Now, this is not appropriate, but this is something I've heard before. In my 21 years out there in the trenches is someone saying, well, you know, can you please take this button off the device? Because we can't go for a car wash right now. We can't go to the car wash right now. So we have to take it off because the student is really having a hard time. That's their very favorite thing to do. And so we know that we really should not be taking buttons off and things like that, that we need to kind of work through the student being able to understand that. And so our students really need to have that right to be able to request things that they love and enjoy. Number three, very important, the right to refuse or reject undesired objects, actions, events, or choices. I just did an amazing podcast with Lisa Wallace. We will also put that up in the show notes. And it was called The Power of No. I believe that's what it was called. But she is an amazing speech therapist working in Vanderbilt. And she has programming and works with students and has them learning how to say no, that they don't want to do something. Because it's very, very important for our students to realize that they can say no, that that's very important. I actually just listened to a talk yesterday by two BCBAs, and they were talking about assent. 
Yes, I want to do this therapy activity. Yes, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to engage in this activity. Now, if our students are always saying no and they're not wanting to engage, then we need to analyze the environment. Why are they saying that? What are we doing here? So that's very, very important. Okay, the next one I want to share, let's do two more. The right to make comments and share opinions. This is very, very important. So these might seem like more advanced language options for your students, making comments, sharing opinions. I did a whole lesson and I had some students who used AAC where we listened to different genres of music and then we voted thumbs up, thumbs down. And our students who used AAC used their AAC to let us know, did they love this song? Did they not like the song? It was very, very fun. So this is important and very empowering for all of our students. The last one that I want to share is the right to be informed about people and events in one's life. Very, very important. So one of the things that I really love to do when I was in the classroom is making sure that my students had pictures of their maybe home staff or a babysitter or mom and dad, or siblings. That's very, very important. So real-life pictures of those people to be important for our students. So if you haven't looked at the Bill of Rights, the Communication Bill of Rights, I'm beyond eager for you to download that, print it out. And when you do and you share it, let me know about that either through the website, abaspeech.org, or over on Instagram, abaspeechbyrose, because I'd love to know that you are utilizing these resources in your everyday life. Okay, number two, number two in supporting autistic learners is to understand the device. I know this sounds really simplistic, but I'll never forget my first time working with the LAMP vocabulary, which is a certain type of vocabulary. And you don't even need to know what that means, but it was new to me. And I was nervous. <laughs> I was extremely nervous. And I was new to this position. It was an amazing s- district. It was a consortium run through an educational service center. And we served autistic learners who couldn't be educated appropriately in their home district. And so we had a home base and in one particular district, which was really cool for generalization and peers and all of that great stuff. But the AAC specialist in that district really liked LAMP, which I actually like LAMP too. And every single student, this is where it's not cool. Every single student uh, used LAMP. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but that's kind of how it was. And I had never used LAMP before. I was extremely nervous. And I actually had an assistant at this job. It was was an interesting gig because in Ohio, we don't have a whole lot of those. And she was a dynamo on lamps. She knew all the things. And I kind of used that as a crutch, to be honest. And I wasn't as good about learning and kind of digging in. But I just took some time after I felt kind of intimidated and like I didn't know what I was doing. I took some time to understand the device because we are our our students' best advocates. So we need to know what's in the device because other people are going to ask us questions about What's in the device? Hey, where is this? I'm doing a lesson on this thing. They need this button added. Do you? That button's already in there. But sometimes it can be tricky. So ways to learn about the device, if you're able to... Now, when I first started, this was not a possibility. But now, I could have my students, their exact board on my iPad. 
So in my last school-based gig that I just left in May to focus on ABA speech, I had a really amazing tech team and it was an affluent district. So we were able to have our own iPads. And on those iPads, I had Proloquo for an example. And then I was able to, with the help of an, a district county AAC person, was able to show me how to upload my exact students' boards so that if I ever needed to modify, tweak anything, I could, which is amazing. Because when I first started, that like wasn't even a possibility. You just couldn't do that. So most important is to really be able to spend time, and I know time is precious, but to be able to go into the student's device and to see what is in there. How is it set up? If you have a person in your county or an educational service center who is an AAC person, or if you work in a really large district like I did in Austin and Leander ISD, we had one speech therapist who was the AAC person and she was extremely busy, but I would come to the speech meetings and I would talk about autism and she would come to the speech meetings and she would talk about AAC and then she would support our speech therapist. It was a really cool gig for her. And it was really nice to learn because the thing about AAC is that it's always changing. I feel like there's always something changing. So to stay on top of that as a speech therapist, if you have maybe two kids out of 60 that have AAC, that can be really, really difficult and overwhelming. So thinking about, do you have somebody within your own district? Do you have somebody in your county who has this position? And I didn't know about that. I did some research on my own. Tutorials. There are tutorials. So if you have a student that's on Proloquo and you're not sure much about Proloquo, sometimes there's tutorials on the websites you can use. Usually, like Dynavox, for example, or Prankyromic, they have sales reps usually designated for each state if you're listening and you're here in the United States and maybe internationally. I'm not sure about that. But these representatives usually will come to your place of work and they will do a training for you. And this is a part of their job. And I have had really great conversations. And what's interesting is that most of the people that I have dealt with who are in that sales position, that representative position for an AAC company, usually are speech therapists. Now, that may not always be the case, but they have an educational background and or they are speech therapists. So they understand what you need to know, what your timeframes are, that you need it now, that it's overwhelming and things like that. So if you have students who are from Pranky Romic, they're using a Dynavox, maybe reaching out to those companies, getting on the website and seeing and looking up your state and who the representative is. And their emails are right there and contact them and see. The other thing with understanding the device is, is there a button where you can look up a word? So if you have a teacher, and this is what would happen to me often, a teacher would say, hey, I'm doing a lesson on news to you and I need to talk about this word. I want Joe to be able to say this word or I want them to be able to participate this way. Understanding, is there a way to search a word on your device? Because that is something that's going to be really impactful for you as the clinician, but something that you can also share with others. So number two, understand the device. Super important. Sounds so easy. Like, yeah, okay, no brainer. But with time as a constraint and so many students who need our help and attention, that can be hard. Okay, on to number three. Model using the device. 
model using the device. We want to make sure that everybody in our students' environment understands that this AAC device is absolutely vital for our student, that this is their voice, that this absolutely 100% of the time needs to be with the student always. Just like our other students have access to their voice, our students need to have access to their AAC devices. And so this may be modeling in session. I had a student who used AAC and they had a Parapro. That was their one-on-one Parapro. And so that student and that Parapro, she would stay the Parapro for a duration of time of the session so that I we could model where different words were and different skills that we were working on with the device. Another thing I would do is I would, not all my students, because obviously I was keeping things individualized in the IEP process, but some of my students would have speech therapy maybe one time with me, and then I would go into the classroom and I would do a group. I love group therapy. That's the one thing I really miss from being a school-based SLP. So I talk about it a lot in the Advanced Language Learner, my five-hour ASHA course about going beyond communication. And I talk about it in Start Communicating Today for toddlers and preschool-age students. But I do miss, I do miss some group therapy. And I'm thinking, I'm actually, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I have a YouTube channel called ABA Speech. And I'm starting to add more videos on there. And I'm going to try and do one a one a week. That's my goal. You know, I like to be consistent with things. And so I'm going to be creating some would you rather videos and videos that you can use in the session. And I bring that up because when I would go into the classroom, I really love to model how I would have the students use their AAC devices. And so whether that's you're watching my YouTube ABA speech and I have a would you rather and you're doing that as part of your group activity and the student with AAC can participate. What's great about would you rather questions is that there are visuals. There are visuals up there. That's really amazing. So make sure to look at that. If that video is up already, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it might be too new to even share here. Other things I like to do for using visuals for my AAC users in classroom were the grocery store game. So if you've been here a while, if you're an ABA speech uh, OG and you've been here a long, long time, you may know about the grocery store game. So the grocery store game is where we say, I went to the store and I bought apples, bananas, carrots, donuts. I was finding that my students, because in the schools, you're seeing learners of all different abilities together. Some students could name it easy. Other students really needed that visual. And so I have a free PowerPoint Google slide PDF that you can use in classroom. And so this is really nice because your student could see that visual and then find it on their device. So it's just a great way to model for classroom staff who are usually in the classroom when I do a group at some point, pair pros, teacher, how to utilize their device, seeing the students in action and modeling how we can use it in different ways that they can use it, I think is super, super important. Another thing that I love to do for group that is great for students who are talking or use AAC is a question of the day. So I have a boom card called Let's Talk. And I always started my groups with some type of question of the day. And so when I had a lot of students who were using AAC in the same group, I liked this because it had one main question at the top. And then there were four visual choices. So it may say something like, well, what do you like to have for breakfast? Muffins, 
pancakes, eggs, bacon, something like that. And then the students could either come up to the board and touch, or they could come up to the board, touch and bring their device. And you're giving them that visual. And so for the classroom staff, you're modeling. Wow, I didn't know that he could use his device like that. Oh, that's so great. Look at them participating. And so we want to model how the device can be used. We need to show how it can be used across the day. That is strategy number three. Okay. Okay. On to strategy number four. Strategy number four is to train others. Train others. You may say, Rose, I do not have time to look inside this device, let alone train others. I'm going to share with you what I did when I had a busy caseload as an SLP and I needed to train others on the AAC device. I definitely wanted people to be hands-on with the device and not be afraid of it. I think that's something, and there's statistics probably on device abandonment. I didn't look those up a lot. I took a statistics class and I'm pretty wary of anytime I hear a percentage or a stat or something like that. So I just know that if we don't use the device, the device will not be used and the student will not communicate. They won't have opportunities to communicate. So the training of others is a big part of of our job. And so we need to be detectives with our own schedule. How can we make this happen? Some of the things that I would do if we had a PD day, I would ask if I could spend time with my classroom staff. Usually I had one classroom that had students who had more high support needs. And so I was able to talk with teacher, pair pros, and do a little bit of a PD. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know me, I like to do trainings. I like to do webinars. So I'm always, you know, opting to do that. But it doesn't have to be something with a slide deck or anything. It could just be you in the classroom with a device talking about what's in the device, talking about how the student's currently using the device, talking about the communication bill of rights, talking about how they need to always have the device. Every team is going to have their own set of needs. Humans have their own set of needs. And I think that understanding, okay, this is obviously this person's human right, this person, we want them to be an independent communicator. That's what we want for all of our students. But tying it into the IP. The IP is a lawful document. The IP is what we said we would do. We need to be in compliance with the IEP. That's another way just to tie it in. If you have people who are less than enthusiastic about learning about AAC, you want to make sure that they understand how very serious it is that our students have access to their devices. So going in during a PD time, is very, very important. Something else I did, we had a late start day. So I worked at a middle school, high school the last 10 years. And on Wednesdays, we had a late start day. So sometimes we would have an all staff meeting, the entire district. It was a very small district. Sometimes we would meet with our PD areas, all the special ed team would meet together. Sometimes we would, you know, cross and work with our grade levels. It was kind of this, that, and the other. But the kids were able to come in the kids were able to come in. So they were, they had some activities that they would do. Sometimes it was just watching a movie because there was no instruction going on during that time in the morning. It was a time for teachers to to learn. And so I would go in every once in a while during that time and I would talk to paraprofessionals at, at then too and teachers and things like that. So I tried to be really a detective with my own schedule. I also had another student who was kind of an intense uh, situation with a parent. And what I would do for them 
I did have my own iPad through the district. And so what I would do for that parent is I would make a video. This is what they wanted. So I had access to making a video. They wanted me to do this. I would make a video of something that we were working on with in therapy. And I would show the student using their device. Or sometimes I would take a video of something maybe I added to the device or something we were working on with a device. And then I would share this with the mom and the dad. And then they would share it with the home team because the student was getting services in the home as well. So number four is to train others. I always said the most important part of my job and my job as a speech therapist is not the actual therapy. That is not the most important part. For autistic learners, I felt the most important part for me was to build rapport with the team and to be able to train others and to communicate with others because that is absolutely vital for our students, which actually is a nice segue into my fifth strategy. My fifth and final strategy is to keep generalization in mind. So when we are picking targets and developing goals for our students, understanding why is this important? Is this a skill that's important just in the therapy room? Or how is it important in the larger school environment? How is it important in home and in the community? And that's really, does our IEP goal pass the generalization test? And are we training others? Are we understanding the device? Are we modeling so that we can generalize those skills outside of a one-on-one session? Because we have to have that scope and sequence of why is this one skill important enough to take time to work on? And how are we going to generalize it into the larger school environment, larger community environment, into the classroom? So keeping generalization in mind. Wow. These are great strategies. I'm going to recap them really quick. Communication Bill of Rights. Download that today. Understand the device. Model using the device. Train others and keep generalization in mind. It was great to spend time with you in a solo show. I feel like I haven't done this in forever. Remember, when you're out there to keep things fun and functional, And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.